Breaking news into the Fight Night Picks early stoppage headquarters here in Phoenix, Craig. On the heels of the UFC's shining stage for the sport's biggest and brightest, we have a newly minted Hall of Famer, John Jones, and he's in jail. The ESPN reporting goes as follows. Jones is being charged with misdemeanor, battery, domestic violence, and injuring or tampering with a vehicle. A felony officer, Larry Hadfield of the Las Vegas Metro PD, told ESPN he is currently held, Jones that is, at Clark County Detention Center per online inmate records. His total bail is 8000 but Jones is or was on a 12-hour hold per records. He is scheduled to have his first appearance in Las Vegas Justice Court on Saturday at 1.30. John Jones obviously has a long history of run-ins with the law, Craig. So um, nailing the coffin is a bad way to put it, but is this finally the thing that that like derails his career? Or is he going to continue to be able to sidestep landmines? Is it just a speed bump? Do you even think this is the worst thing that, he, that he's ever done? Could you not call my dad a piece of shit? I said he used to be a piece of shit. He's not anymore. I'm not anymore. Glass House, White Ferrari, live for New Year's Eve, sloppy steaks at Trafonis, big cut of rare meat with a water dumped all over it. John, I like the show. I think you should leave. And I wanted to lead with that because I used to be a piece of shit. That's always the conversation every time that, you know, a John Jones fight brews up. It's, you know, legal controversies. It's the fact that he tested positive for this. He tested positive for cocaine at one point, And then it was, you know, the picograms and so on and so forth. But to me, the the biggest issue in terms of John Jones and his legal battles is probably when he hit the pregnant woman. But I went back before we started to film. And again, he had a DUI back in 2012. This is per Wikipedia. 2019, charged with battery for... Uh, involving a cocktail waitress. I remember you and I talked about that a long time ago. He pleaded no contest, received a 90-day deferred sentence. Uh, And then in 2020, what was there? Another incident? He had a DWI and so on and so forth. Like It seems like it's not just isolated incidents. It's every year. And I saw the video out there on Reddit before we came on where it's this weird sit-down with John Jones, Rogan in the middle, Daniel Cormier where Cormier's like, this guy's never going to change. This is just his character. And again, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but I haven't seen any reason to believe that this guy's actually going to change. It's a shame, obviously, that this is going to overshadow his Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Definitely doesn't overshadow our guy, Canadian George St. Pierre. And I know you've got the shirt on, but yeah, to me, it it just, it it's such a shame because I came up, in MMA as a fan of John Jones. Like he was the reason that I ordered pay-per-views. It was GSP and it was John Jones on his rise up. And now moving from being a fan to being, you know, whatever I am now, media member adjacent. I don't know what I am, but it just, it it kind of sucks, man. Like you follow this guy's career and now, now look where we are. Like it's probably like being a Doc Gooden fan in the 80s. Yeah, well, you remember the MMAJAs, which are. Um, but so, that aside, you know, it's interesting. Thursday and Friday, or Thursday and Thursday night slash Friday morning, if you will, the first thing I thought about was this is sort of a microcosm for this kid's life, which is the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, oftentimes back to back. He does something amazing and it does something horrible. Seemingly, you know, obviously not if you were to look at the timeline exactly, but you know, it's kind of like he can't get out of his own way. And I guess for me, 
The biggest question is, I mean, he's going to be fine. He's going to fight again. He's going to be the octagon again. That's just how John Jones's thing sort of plays out. But, you know, sometimes, and I hate to invoke this name. I feel like I've invoked it before on either a different iteration of this show on a different network. But, you know, when I watched the O.J. Simpson uh, 30 for 30, it was like, man, there was all these little breadcrumbs that led to him killing Nicole Brown Simpson. Now, I don't think that that's what we're dealing with in John Jones, but I guess my question for you is, do you think that someday we're going to find out that things were a lot darker with this guy? Or do you think everything is at face value? He has an incident, he loses his temper, the cops come and that's it. Do you think that because, or, or would we be seeing more? Like, it seems like, you know, we see videos, he's shooting his guns, he's playing with his dogs and training them. He's living a generally happy life. And then occasionally... He flies off the handle. Do you think that's what it is, or do you think there's something darker? I mean, it's already pretty fucking dark, John. Like, the whole Wikipedia thing, again, failed drug test. UFC 182, UFC 200, UFC 214, UFC 232. There's all these different issues. Now, 232 was a little bit different. And then you go down through championships and accomplishments, like longest UFC light heavyweight champion, fight of the nights, 2010 all-violence team by Sherdog. Everybody reading those shirt dog publications, the real ones. But I, it's it's already so dark. You know, you kind of in the back of your mind go, okay, what's what's going to be like the cause and effect? You know, if if a regular average everyday person had these things happen, you wouldn't have your job anymore. I definitely wouldn't have my job anymore. But the guy continues to get chances because of who he is. And it's like if Wayne Gretzky did these things, would Wayne Gretzky have been playing hockey a lot? I, I doubt it. If Ken Griffey Jr. did these things, would he have been a huge star in baseball? Like, it's just, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the way that the, the sport of MMA functions. It's, it's so weird to me that this just continues to happen. Obviously, things are cyclical. They're happening in a bit of a pattern. And nobody's kind of stopped them. Nobody stopped enabling them either. Yeah, there's a little bit of the enablers to it, I agree. But one of the things that, that sticks out with me in my brain here, and this is for a different reason, one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard about Randy Moss was, he half-assed his way into the Hall of Fame. And like what he could have been versus what he was was still amazing, right? I get those vibes with Jones sometimes. Like Whenever we talk about John Jones, we talk about what time missed. All the time he missed for the failed drug test, all this time with this heavyweight flirtation. And it's like he's still probably – the greatest fighter of all time, despite all of this stuff. And it's rare when we've ever seen someone who actually fulfilled their potential and yet still had the, you know, every, everybody else gets submarined by their problems, right? Like you said, Doc Good and Daryl Strawberry, all these guys that were, were supposed to be something that get taken out by their vices and their lesser, uh, uh, they're de the devil's on their shoulder. But John Jones somehow, I mean, listen, Craig, let's be honest. We both know he's going to go up to heavyweight. And whoever he fights, he's going to kick their ass. And that's why it's taking so long for him to go to heavyweight. Because he's not going to go there until he's ready. And I think that, I just think that he's always going to be this weird two sides of the coin guy. Where on the one side, he's this amazing fighter, probably the best we've ever seen. On the other side, he's this completely tragic figure, except for there's never been the tragedy. He creates tragedy. He doesn't experience it. Does that make sense? 
I don't know. I mean, the other the other real part about it is, okay, so this happens, you know, we kind of get a little bit more of a sense of what actually happened tomorrow. It's going to overshadow UFC 266. So that's, take that for what it's worth if you're the UFC. And then the other thing that you have to consider, those next steps. I mean, we've seen John Jones come back as the baby face. We've seen John Jones come back as the heel. I don't know what you do after this. I don't know how you market this guy other than the fact that you just put blinders on, forget that this ever happened, if you're the UFC, and just market it as, oh, this guy's the GOAT. He's chasing the second belt. Look at him. He's just like, insert double champ, Conor McGregor. You know, I hear you. And maybe Conor's the other example of a guy who constantly steps on his dick, but yet doesn't really ever lose any ground in doing so. So him and Conor have a parallel in that way. But I, I just feel like we've seen this before. It's going to be, he's going to go to court. He's going to get community service. First press conference back, John Morgan's going to be like, you know, based on everything you've been through, how, how has this camp been different? And have you turned a corner? And are you ready to change? It's going to be the same press conference asking the same questions John Morgan's asked a thousand times. Joe, J- John Jones is going to act like this time's different. He's going to go beat the shit out of whoever he fights. And a year from now, he's going to do something else stupid. Unless the guy from ESPN in South Florida comes up with his pink shirt on and he's like, John, I got to know, what's your favorite drink? What do you like? Valentina, are you and your sister going to fight the Paw Brothers? What's going to happen? Oh, boy. Not a, not a Josh Cohen fan. <laughs> no. And we move on. Do you think I'm afraid of you? Do you really think I'm afraid? Of- are you crazy in your head, man? You'll see Saturday if I'm scared of you. And with that, welcome to Early Stoppage, a show where the news of the day is usually given just enough time, but sometimes not enough. If this is your first time stopping by, we thank you and get ready for something you won't find anywhere else. I'm George St. Pete. I'm John Franklin. I'm joined by the God, father of Fight Night Picks, Craig Allen. Craig, how are you? Honestly, John, normally I know the tweets that you use at the start of this. Was that a tweet or was that a real quote? Was that, that real? Was from the Nick Diaz George St. Pierre press conference back in the that day. was your French Canadian accent. <laughs> That's what it was. Oh yeah, was my gosh, about. I thought we were gonna get in a lot of trouble here, but uh I am not impressed by your performance. Uh, there, I'll give it my go. John, listen, I'm oh, so happy because Fan Mio finally sent me this friggin' shirt. Mayweather versus Paul. It says right on the bottom, special exhibition. It says nothing about Triller. Also, now I'm going to take the sweater off because the people really need to see this, John. This is a medium shirt. I'm 5'11 on a bad day, six feet on a good day. I'm all skin and bones. This is the smallest t-shirt I own. It's the most uncomfortable t-shirt I own. But hey, long anticipated. It finally showed up. And maybe I'll wear it out and about. You can find me in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada. Like John's t-shirt, Canada. (laughs) You'll be able to find me out there. John, how many times have you been up to Canada? Uh, once Edmonton. Once? Yeah. One time? One time. What city? Edmonton. Edmonton? Yeah, I went to Cold Lake in the Air Force. Just, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. You know who was up there too? (laughs) James Blunt. James Blunt did a little bit of his military service here. How cool is that? And we continue. On this episode of Early Stoppage, we talk the Diaz brothers, Josh Thompson, all sorts of goings on. In International Fight Week, but we begin with the eldest Diaz brother, Nick Diaz. Craig, in the words of DMX, the last time we saw Nick Diaz was the last time we thought we'd see him. 
And that was January 31st, 2015. I mean, did the whole Reebok deal happen in this guy's absence? Either way, he's back. He's fighting Robbie Lawler. And there was talk that with a win, he would get a title shot with Israel Adesanya. This fight taking place at 185 pounds. One, do you believe that? Two, does it say more about Nick or the state of the UFC's middleweight division? And three, how cool is it to have Nick Diaz back? Look who's alone now. It's not me. It's not me. If we're going with James Blunt, John. It's so cool that I'm looking at the UFC's YouTube page right now. And episode three of the countdown came out six hours ago, has 300,000 views. Not that great. Not that great. I was actually surprised that with the countdown, here's the thumbnails. First one that they have is Valentina Shevchenko and Brandon Moreno. I think that speaks waves about what they're going with in terms of marketing and promoting this fight. If this was a Poirier McGregor four, you'd have those two or one of those two, or at least Connor. The second picture for the second episode, Brian Ortega and somebody else that isn't even fighting on this card, Tracy Cortez. And in the third picture, it's just Nick Diaz. But if I go down through the list, if I go down and look at the videos that they put out trying to promote this card, the Nick Diaz videos take the cake. They're the most popular videos that they have so far. If we go back, we look at the countdown. Countdown Volkanovsky Ortega, 200,000 views. Countdown Shevchenko Mur Murphy, 73,000 views. The full video of the countdown, 746,000 views. Diaz Lawler 2, 1.5 million views. I think the UFC is happy to have Nick Diaz back. I think Robbie Lawler sells too. I think Nick Diaz sells this card like completely all the rumors around this fight are Nick Diaz rumors. I think that this is a great opportunity for the UFC. It even sold Dana White's contender series. So really I I'm glad to have him back. He's got a couple of teammates on this card too. Nick Maximov that just like in the last hour has a new opponent in Cody Brundage. We also have uh who else is it? There's somebody else on this card. Oh, Martin Sano, you know, the guy that hasn't fought in years and years and has lost arguably his last three fights. He's on this card as a favor. So a long-winded answer, John. I hate to steal the thunder, but uh, I think it's great to have Nick back. Oh, no stun, no thunder stolen. Listen, I I'm with you. I think that, um, you know, and if you're playing at home, go ahead and drink up. Here's the first Chael reference. Chael Sonnen says you reach the pinnacle in your fighting career when the result doesn't matter. Nick Diaz's results don't matter. Nick Diaz being in the ring doesn't, or in the octagon doesn't matter. We've seen this guy in six years. He's still a star. And he is the one of the guys that has honestly figured out the boxing model and applied it to MMA, which is scarcity, right? When Nick Diaz fights, it's a big deal because Nick Diaz doesn't always fight. I think that he can still bring it. And the thing is, you know, this guy solidified himself as a gangster six years ago when he was facing Six year ago, Anderson Silva, not the guy that just, you know, cracked Tito Ortiz around. Six year ago, Anderson Silva, and he laid down in the octagon. Who's got the balls to lay down in the octagon or let Anderson Silva walk around your back while you stand there uh, twerking? I don't even know what the hell he was doing, but he let, I mean, this guy clowned the guy no one clowns. If anything solidifies your gangster more than that, I don't know what it is. I'm happy to have Nick back. I am, you know, it's a weird weekend, and we'll get to this a little bit later because we have GSP going into the Hall of Fame. We have Nick Diaz fighting. They fought 100 years ago. We mentioned it in the Open. Um, it's so weird that we could have got so much more from GSP and Nick Diaz, and yet we still feel fulfilled by them. 
You don't see that with a lot of fighters. Like I've gotten so much from Nick, even though I could have gotten more, I feel fulfilled. Same thing with GSP. Yeah. It's one of those things. I mean, and I love your answer, John, to me, it's a real PSA 10 cheap plug. Check out 15 minute card breaks. Air Yordan, a PSA 10 rookie card. You don't see it very often, John, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. And if we throw it back to the olden days of the UFC, We've got big news this week, and it's that if Uros Medic wins his fight at UFC 266, he won't be able to get another Joe Rogan bump as the broadcaster. He's out due to a conflicting hunting trip. Conflicting hunting trip. John, moose season <laughs> just opened in New Brunswick, Canada yesterday. I saw four of them yesterday. I saw one of them on the back of a trailer today. But seeing as UFC 265 conflicted with Joe Rogan's comedy tour, should we be reading between the lines here? Or is Joe Rogan still a selling feature with the UFC? I don't know that he's a selling feature anymore. I do think he's a prominent part of the UFC. But I think, you know, the show goes on without him. They found other stars. Before it was like, if you didn't have Joe Rogan, it was a big deal. You know, it was always Goldie and Joe. And then sometimes you'd have like Goldie and Brian Stan or something. It wasn't quite the same. And then you started having so many other um announcing groups that Rogan's absence isn't really missed. Like I'm, I'm just fine with DC and, uh, and Cruz. I'm just fine with all these other combinations. So I think that he's been talking about what his exit strategy is going to be from the UFC for some time. I, I, I hope that he figures out a way to do it smoothly, but he has all these clunky moments where he should show up or shouldn't show up. You know, he's had a weird year. He kind of was a COVID denier for a while, then got it. Said it wasn't a big deal, but threw the kitchen sink at it when he got it. So I just don't quite know what to make of the things that he does. It seems like, unlike everybody else, he can kind of come and go as he pleases with the UFC. He kind of is, his position in the UFC is set. So you can, you can take a week off for a hunting trip because, you know, you got, for lack of a better way of putting it, tenure. So I don't really know that he's as big of a deal with the UFC as he once was. But he's going to do what he wants to do because of his place in the organization. I mean, I brought up the metrics for this card over on YouTube as far as just those are concerned. And I look at it in terms of searchability. Not a lot going on for the UFC with UFC 266. And I mean, if I can break the fourth wall quickly, our video is doing pretty good for the picks and predictions. So to me, it seems like it's trending upward. But yeah, when you look at it and you kind of put it in context, Diaz is selling the card. He's not even a co-main or main event. He's, he's a featured five-rounder. But, yeah, I don't think it's the biggest deal. I don't think anybody's going to buy the fight that wasn't before because Paul Felder's a part of it. So take that for what it's worth. But, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of casual fans out there that are going, geez, I got to hear what Joe Rogan says on that broadcast when I can get his podcast for free. So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's a bit of a slippery slope. And we move on. Craig, this week, Sean O'Malley released a video of him talking to Conor McGregor with no sound. What do you think they were talking about? And how are you feeling about the fight that O'Malley has scheduled? All right, Connor. So, and this is this is me, Sean O'Malley. All right, Connor. So what you're going to do, you're going to take the baseball. You're going to put your two knuckles on it like this and then grip it hard with your ring finger. And then when you let go, you push. The R.A. Dickey special. You're going to want to throw that knuckleball as best you can. And that's what Connor McGregor did. John, what did your son think about that? He hasn't seen it yet. He's not going to be impressed because my no. son's a le- my son's a lefty and he throws straight as an arrow, so he's not going to be impressed. 
Yeah, that was really bad. I don't know what they were talking about. Maybe tips on how to beat Brian Kelleher, but I doubt Conor McGregor knows who Brian Kelleher is. That guy's nasty. I mean, Joe Rogan said that about who? Like Cynthia Calvillo? Was it Calvillo or was it Claudia Gedalia? I think it was Calvillo. Maybe it was Esparza. That girl's nasty. But I look at it, Brian uh, Kelleher is nasty. He's got a great guillotine. He's got a lot of good pressure. I don't know what they were talking about. Maybe marketing skills, how not to throw baseball. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that we're going to get to this later uh, and start the conversation. I think that O'Malley wants us to think there's a relationship between Connor and him that there maybe not isn't. But I think that he, listen, O'Malley's got his ears open, man. He's listening to what Chael says. He's listening to what Connor says. He's following the right playbook. In the end, he has to win. But he has accomplished a lot, as Chael said. Here's Chael reference number two without having a number next to his name. This kid is one of the most relevant fighters who ends up pretty high on cards without having a number next to his name, which is a pretty impressive accomplishment. So I think that he uh, may be picking Connor's brain for something or might have just been talking to him about somebody that was standing backstage or asking about Floyd Mayweather. Who the hell knows? I think that if it was that relevant, maybe you include the sound, but it's better... And it's a better piece of marketing to not include the sound. So props to O'Malley for uh, for realizing that and using that as a good marketing ploy. Well, I mean, the best way to market MMA to John Franklin, if there's like a targeted advertiser out there, just throw Bellator prelims at him. Because I know <laughs> that John is a Bellator prelims stand. In 2021, it was supposed to be the year of Rumble Romero and a huge bump to the Bellator Light Heavyweight Grand Prix. But last weekend in a non-Grand Prix main event, Yoel Romero looked terrible against Phil Davis. Jaron Vallel. Canadian scored that fight 29-28 Romero, while the other two judges scored it 30-27 Davis because Jaron Vallel was on a different planet when he judged that fight. And ultimately, Rumble, he had to bow out of his next Grand Prix fight because he did win one on short notice. It was clunky due to a potentially serious health issue. So, John, do you think this is the start of Bellator's decline and picking up maybe some aging former UFC stars? Or are they just going to keep doing the Bellator like scrap tour. I think they're going to keep doing the Bellator scrap tour, but th the hopes if you're a, a non UFC promotion is that you can get all the stars to align, right? When you get in the business of saying we're, we can't get the guys in their prime because those guys want to fight in the UFC. So we have two choices. We can either get guys early. That becomes more difficult with the ultimate fighter with uh, PFL on some level and with um, the Dana White Contender Series. Or we can get them late when other promotions either can't afford them, the PFL, or don't want them, the UFC. But occasionally, you can get all the stars to align where fighters are a little bit past their prime, they have a big enough name, they're healthy, and everything comes together. That's what this light heavyweight Grand Prix was supposed to be. The alignment of these stars, that was gonna, that's why you do Grand Prix. You do Grand Prix to 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 um, sort of put these guys in in this construction where we see them all at once, but they don't fight all at once. So every time you see the bracket, you're reminded, oh wow, this thing's loaded. But the fights are still playing themselves out over or whatever ten months. So I think that they had the right idea, but again, you're gambling on people that are past their prime, and you know are not in the UFC for a particular reason. 
Yeah, I mean, they're the two biggest gambles on there because I'm sure Beast in 25-8 doesn't cost you a lot of money. Who fought Dovletsan Yegshimradov. Great fight. Vadim Nemkov's your champ. That probably cost you a little bit. Ryan Bader, the former double champ, like he he's a part of it too. But I would think, you know, dollars and cents wise, Romero, Rumble, probably the two most expensive guys there. Now that Rumble's out due to injury, we'll see what happens. Um, and yeah, I mean, for Yoel Romero, it was bad. Like even after the fight where he goes over and he's asking like, oh no, no, what do you mean? I thought this was five rounds. Like it, it was just, it was a bad look and it really sucks if you're Coker. We move on, Craig. This week, Alexander Volkanovsky returns to the octagon for the first time in what seems like forever. But his fight with Brian Ortega, which should be a banger, seems to be taking a backseat to a lot of other fights on this card. Do you think that's valid or should the UFC fans kind of put some respect on this on this main event? Well, I mean, I feel like, you know, Luke Thomas for just, you know, his brain's sake and a lot of different fans probably want to see a trilogy between Holloway and Volkanovski. I don't know if a lot of people really put that respect on Volkanovski's name, really consider him a champ because you got to think of who the featherweight champs were before Volkanovski Holloway McGregor, you know, Aldo the goat. So, I mean, he has big shoes to fill, putting him on the marquee here. You're not really doing him any favors if you're throwing a co-main event that's also for a title and then making a five-round feature fight even before that. I know it props up the entire card, but it doesn't really help sell it, especially for a couple guys that just hosted the Ultimate Fighter. And for Volkanovski, he deserves all the credit because if you watch the finale, it was all Volkanovski guys. I mean, it was the Ultimate Fighter Ricky Tertio season. So... Good for Volkanovski in that respect. I think that the fans should respect him a little bit more. But if he doesn't bring the eyeballs, which we've seen, I mean, that that's that's his problem. I don't know how he can market himself any better at this point. Yeah, you know, so I'm looking at this card, right? I mean, obviously, lucky Lauren Murphy finally gets the title shot. That's kind of a big deal, but doesn't draw a lot of eyes. Blades and Roizenstroich, um, that's an interesting fight. But again, doesn't draw a lot of eyes. We got Calvillo. We got... Listen, Marlon Marais, Marab Devalashvili, that's a big fight. Hooker's back. I mean, there's a lot of really, really, really big fights. It, it's well, a good card. It's a great card. And I think that it's more – we talk about the game and the name, right? Is, is it bigger uh, – is the game bigger than the name? I think this is where we got a little bit of good names, but this could be a really, really great night of well-matched fights. And I think that's – what makes it interesting. I hope that Nick Diaz brings a lot of eyes to this because this could be one of those cards that kind of sneaks up and does a huge number um, because I do wish it was a little, I like Hooker and Marais on the prelims. I don't know. And Dawkus, I don't know that that's going to get more pay-per-views purchased necessarily, which is what you sometimes try to do with the prelims. But um, yeah, man, it's a, it's a hell of a card. And I think that main event's going to be a banger. So um, I'm very excited about this card. It's unfortunate that I'm not going to be able to see it. I have a prior engagement. because I'm How old. are you going to recap it? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I uh, it's, uh, the recaps are on the Patreon anyway. So I think that, um, yeah, I got to figure out a way to see this thing because I'm an old white man and I'm doing what old white men do this weekend. I'm going to see the Eagles in concert, which I have never done before so yeah i'm excited about the card when i do get to see it uh and i'm gonna have to just you know well i'm just gonna have to bite the bullet and uh drop down the money because there's no way to go watch it at a restaurant or anything 
John's just going to have to take it easy. That's the first one. <laughs> All right, John. So if you're thinking about, you know, a John Jones fight or maybe even the John Jones weight rumors, they continue on. But one John Jones fight that you can really look forward to seeing this week is his title defense at UFC 165 against Alexander Gustafson because that fight is going to be inducted into the UFC's Hall of Fame. That's Thursday night. Where this show comes out, I don't know, but it's on the Thursday night. That's when it gets inducted. Also inducted into the Hall of Fame, George St. Pierre, Mark Ratner, Kevin Randleman. So how amped are you for the show under the September pandemic circumstances? Well, I'm not amped at all, and which is unfortunate, because I am a guy who historically really, really goes out of his way to show up for these Hall of Fames. I've done it. For years that's the thing that i make a point to go to and the fight becomes secondary typically i would you know under pre-pandemic life i would go to vegas in july i would get in town in time for the um the uh the hall of fame induction and i've watched them everywhere i've watched them when they used to do them in the fan expo on some platform i watched it in the park theater when rousey got inducted so like i've been there for various um inductions the fact that they just, and they've, listen, they've always done this, where they just sort of last minute let you know about the fight, International Fight Week. But to do it in September after a pandemic, the whole thing kind of seems like a cash grab a little bit. I mean, this doesn't feel like a fight week. It is a good card, but it doesn't feel like the kind of card you would put out for International Fight Week. It just all seems sort of what it is. It all seems rushed and hurried. This is not the way George St. Pierre should go into the Hall of Fame. Uh, this certainly isn't the way that Kevin Randleman should be uh, honored. But I'll ask you this, and especially Mark Ratner. Mark Ratner is a huge part of what has made the UFC what it is today. I'll ask you this. Do you think that historically the UFC uh, mishandled the John Jones-Gustafson situation because they had a close fight, many think Gustafson won, and then it seemed like forever to get him back in the cage? Ah, no, because I think it's under, you know, it was John Jones' own doing. That's the only reason why I say no. Um, I don't really have much to elaborate on that. The only thing I want to say and throw in is a fact that, yeah, this is kind of overlooked. It's kind of thrown together. But if you're a Canadian and you're a Canadian baseball fan, you can probably empathize or sympathize with the way things are going. And I know John looks a little puzzled as to why I said that. But if you're a Canadian baseball fan, you're watching the Blue Jays. They're in a really tough wildcard race in the AL East. And then a couple of weeks ago, peppered in, oh, by the way, you know your national hero, uh, Larry Walker? Yeah, he's getting into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Forgot to tell you, it's happening. And then it passes, and it's like it never even happened. Now, I'm sure, John, a lot of people in the States got excited about Derek Jeter, but I don't care about Derek Jeter. I grew up a Red Sox fan. What do I care about him? But for me, it was like it, it was kind of like that. And then you look at it this week, and it's like, oh, well, the Ultimate Fighter finale happened if what? It was last month. It was Barboza Chikadze at the top on a Saturday night. Now everybody forgets about the ultimate fighter. Now we have this card. It's it's just, it's a really weird week that was just kind of thrown together. I can understand why, again, under the circumstances, but it's just kind of a disappointment more than anything. And we move on, Craig. Uh, this week on Sparring Sessions, we're talking Diaz brothers. Nick Diaz is getting ready to fight. Nate Diaz is always rumored to be in fights. So based on how much we hear from Nick, I'm sorry, Nate, and how little we hear from Nick. Sparring sessions this week, the question is, who do you think the more relevant Diaz brother is now? 
Is The Rock and Roberto Duran going to show up to this fight? No. I mean, The Rock showed up to AJ Galante's birthday, if you watched it on that <laughs> Untold story. So that was kind of cool. But yeah, I, I got to go with Nate. Um, to me, I mean, the guy continues to be relevant and putting big enough fights, too. I mean, yeah, they might not be fights that he's going to win, but he's still somewhat competitive and can always have kind of a weird argument as to why he could have or should have won. I mean, his last fight, he had a what competitive fifth round. So now all of a sudden he can still compete against the, the elite of this division to me for Nick. It's the fact that, yeah, you haven't fought in six years. Like you have a big fight against Robbie Lawler, but he's not ranked. He's lost four fights in a row. Nate's still going up against decent competition. I got to go with Nate from that respect, but I'd love to hear what you have on this one. You know, I'm going to say something that every Diaz fan is going to hate. Um, I'm with you. I think it's Nate because, and this is where it gets a little spicy. Nick's a champion and Nate's a journeyman. And I think the fact that Nate beat Connor, uh, sort of balloons who he actually is. And I think that for Nate to do what he's done with the skill set that he has, never really fighting a championship level um, is more impressive than Nick, who is a championship fighter. Like Nick should have the reputation that he has. Nate shouldn't. And it's very rare when the younger brother eclipses the older brother when the older brother's good. Like Derek Carr being better than David Carr, he should be more famous and more touted than David Carr. David Carr was a car accident. Eli Manning isn't better than Peyton Manning. You know what I'm saying? All the younger brothers never outshine Allen's the older not brother. better than Craig Allen. I know. Yeah, I get it. I, I knew Easy that enough. was coming. What do you think Takanori Gomi's answer is to this one? Because he got armbarred by Nate and he got go-go plotted by Nick. <laughs> I wish we should have got him on. Yeah, I think he's probably a Nick fan. Attention gamblers of all shapes and sizes. Our friends at Manscaped have a can't-miss bet for you today. The leaders in male grooming just launched their fourth-generation performance package and betting odds are in your favor when you use the lawnmower 4.0 on your balls across the board this is the package to get you in the mood for whatever your gambling heart desires ready to take the leap in male grooming royalty two million men already have join the manscape movement by going to manscape.com get 20 percent off with the code fnp now john we've all had weird ball trimming stories and you're <laughs> going to share the first of yours because everybody at fight night picks knows that i'm a big fan of the lawnmower 4.0 now if i'm not mistaken yeah i still have the travel lock on mine because when you're traveling you got to lock that stuff up uh john at the risk of your wife your friends and your kids hearing this are you a shower shaver like i am i am yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, so, an, I'm an old guy. I'm a hairy guy. I got it. I can't do it anywhere else. No, that's that's the point. So I'm going to triple tap my old uh, lawnmower 3.0, 4.0 rather. There we go. Now it's going to go down. How handy would that be if you had it? it would you be see very that? That's the 4,000K LED light that comes on that <laughs> puppy. The other thing that you can do, you can also pop the top off. So if you ever need to clean it out, or oil the motor like you should grease it up you can do those things hitting a favorite is fun but shaving my balls with confidence the folks at manscaped have given me just that and they have my trust when i'm trimming my boys the recently released lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is a favorite of mine and i know for john franklin a favorite of his is something that i also have in this tickle trunk of mine that's a classic mr dress up reference the weed whacker john where is your weed whacker 
it is at work. I keep it at work. I keep it in the car because um, I'm an old guy. So I realize when it's needed in the ears, when it's needed in the nose, in my car, not in my house. I'll be in the car, touch my nose, go, okay, that needs some attention. Touch my ears. Oh, there's something going on there. Look in the rear view. That's when I know that I need to get that particular trimmer involved in my life. And Manscaped sent one to John in Arizona. It's worked out great in the heat. It works up here in the cold as well. And if you pick up the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, as a bonus, the add-in to their performance package is the boxers and the shed travel bag. These tools get your boys in your comfort zone before the game starts. So get 20% off and free shipping with code FNP at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code FNP at Manscaped.com. Fellas, don't gamble on shaving your balls with the wrong tools. Choose Manscaped, your balls will thank. Craig, we move on to For the Gram. Let's talk about boxing because we can't not talk about boxing, right? Uh, yeah. So this weekend, Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Plant are getting together. Uh, Jake Paul's making overtures to Tommy Fury, so so much for the retirement. Um, which are you more interested in? Uh, I. This is weird. And a lot of people know this about me in particular. I'm a super casual boxing fan. I'm never going to say I know a lot about boxing, but I watch a lot of these exhibition fights or some of the bigger name ones like uh, Tyson Fury fights, Deontay Wilder fights, like when he's fighting the adopted Canadian Bermaine Stiburn. But to me, I watch every single Canelo fight. So whether throw a name in there, Kovalev, whoever. I've I've gone out of my way to watch them. I'm excited about the Caleb Plant fight. From what I hear, it should be halfway competitive. Um, you know, a little bit more so than maybe the Billy Joe Saunders fight was. There's the Tyson Fury connection, but I'm excited for that fight. I, I don't really care for these Paul Brother fights anymore, if I'm being totally honest. I know I've said, you know, maybe I would watch the Woodley Paul fight, but I didn't actually end up watching it. I've kind of had a bit of enough of uh, of the Paul Brothers for a little bit, but I, I love watching a Canelo fight, man. That guy's canned lightning so are you in the camp of that kid i can't remember who he is but he was doing a uh, interview with jake paul and he said i gotta be honest with you i want to see you get knocked out i saw it on tiktok a couple times and and jake paul you know what's funny about jake paul sometimes he handles the game perfectly and other times he takes things like personally like if you're jake paul and some random podcaster says that he wants to see you get knocked out the play isn't for you to say that you would then fight that podcaster you're supposed to be above that, Jake Paul. Relax. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that I'm interested in seeing Jake Paul fight a boxer, like a legit boxer. Tommy Fury is definitely that. So I'm I, that, to me, is the most on-the-level fight that we will see. Uh, that's, that's out there in the, in the the somewhat in the atmosphere. But you're right. I mean, watching Caleb... Uh, watching Caleb, watching Canelo Alvarez fight is always good. I mean, he's a stud. Uh, does the does the um, what Dana said and the the whole press conference of it all with Canelo and and Plant get you any more interested in the fight or whatever? Somebody should have stepped in. Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't get me all that more riled up. I I was gonna watch it anyway if it attracts a few more eyeballs. That's cool. I mean, did you watch the Canelo interviews with Graham Bensinger? Bensinger. No. Uh. I find him. Who is that guy, by the way? He gets the best interviews. 
who like i i've watched all those things where it's like this is where he came up and it, it was like almost like ariel hawani like just popping up out of nowhere interviewing people and now all yeah. of a sudden he's built this repertoire but honest it's to goodness DJ i watch him on youtube does he work for himself or does he work for somebody else like it's it, it's impossible to tell anyway the canelo <laughs> interviews were really anyway cool. i enjoyed watching them yep yeah, I think that I, I'm from this camp, okay? I'm not a guy that needs all this crap at press conferences or at weigh-ins because I'm from a push here and there. Then you get people you know, separated. That's enough for me because I'm of the belief you get paid to fight, so only fight when you're getting paid, right? Not at some press conference, not at the weigh-in. You fight in a ring, in your shorts with gloves on. No need to exchange punches at some press conference. All right, Craig, we move on. Let's talk about Alistair Overeem. He said he'd like to retire in 18 months. Sounds like, you know, my uncle or something with his plan of when he's going to retire. Why 18 months? Um, Does he, is he trying to hit some sort of number? Is he going to start collecting social security? What's, what's, where do you think the 18 months is coming from? And do you think that we, he should wait 18 months or could he retire in 18 days? Does it well, matter he's got to a you? disgusting. He's got a disgusting fight coming up in a month and one day. So depending on when this show comes out, October twenty third. Do you know who Alistair Overeem is fighting in Glory? That's a low blow. He's no fighting idea. Rico Verhoeven. Rico Verhoeven. Do you want to see that fight? I don't, because Rico is going to knock out Alistair Overeem, and it's going to make me really sad. Glory will gain a fan in me because I like Bazooka Joe Valtellini, and he's Canadian, but. I don't need to see that. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'll, I'll tell you this. This is one place where I know that we differ. I'm not in the. I don't need to see that camp. I'm in the. If 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 Alistair Overeem wants to step in there with a kid that's known to be a savage and take people out, and he's still got those balls, then he can climb in there and and let's see what happens. I'm I'm happy to watch a big name get knocked out anytime. Doesn't matter to me. So if it's 18 months, I'd say. Maybe he's planning if he loses tremendously to Rico, then he gets a long time to recover and get ready for one more big fight. And I want to see him fight Gokan Saki. Make that fight happen. We didn't get enough Gokan in the UFC. And we move on, Craig, to Conor McGregor. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Let's talk about more in depth now. Conor McGregor did uh, what can only be described as a horrendous impression of a pitch of a baseball. I am a baseball coach. I coach my son. My son is left-handed like Conor McGregor's, as I mentioned earlier, and uh, he throws very straight. So I'm pretty certain that if my son were on the mound of a baseball field, major leagues, he could get it to the mound. Now, um, and Conor couldn't. Here's the first question. Should we even expect these people that do this to, to do it well? Or is it a certain person? Let's run it down. Here's why I say this. I'm going to run down the New York Post's top 10 worst pitches of all time. And you tell me Just, two things. Tell me two things. I, I'll cut you off quick. Is the number one, because the score had one of these two, and I went down through the list. Is the number one one the kid who had pediatric cancer? No. Uh-uh. For the Red Sox, and he hits the guy in the balls? No. Okay. All right. Fair. So here's my list, and you give me two answers. One, should we have expected a good pitch? And two, do you remember it? Was it so bad it's memorable? I remember right. a few of these ones. So, yeah, go Here ahead. We go. I haven't seen Number this one. list yet. 
Number one, Anthony Fauci. Should we have expected it to be uh, good? And do you remember it? I remember it. No, you know, he's an elderly man. Number two, 50 Cent. Yeah, I expected that to be pretty bad. I expected it to be good because listen, I'm of the I'm of the belief because this is how I am, uh, and this is not some weird humble brag. If you're in shape and you're somebody that wants to be in shape, don't just lift weight. Do something with your muscles. If you're in shape and you can't throw a baseball or a football, it's all aesthetics. It's all there for for just to be just to be looked at. Number three, oh, Carly Ray Jepsen. That was at the height of Call Me Maybe in 2012, and she threw it with Tampa Bay. So you're friggin' right. I remember it. You don't expect much out of Canada's Carly Ray. Come on. Michael Jordan. Yeah. The guy played baseball. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember it, though. Baba Bowie. Gary Delabate from Howard Stern. Do not remember it. I couldn't tell you what it looked like. I remember it. It was trash. I didn't expect much, but it was horrible. Number six, John Wall. I, I vaguely remember that one. And yeah, you expect more. You're an athlete. Professional at that. Exactly. You're an athlete. I don't care what sport you play. Learn how to throw a baseball. Miss Texas 2014, Monique Evans. I don't think I saw that. I don't think so. And I wouldn't expect much. Mariah Carey. I saw the walkout. Didn't see the video. <laughs> Snoop Dogg. Didn't see it. Carl Lewis. Saw that one, expected more. And number 11 was Conor McGregor. Did you expect it much from Conor? Well, he's walking around on his leg now, right? So it's not like he's off balance. Let me tell you something. The second I saw Conor McGregor shoot a basketball at Madison Square Garden, I knew all bets were off for other sports. I'm like, this guy, in his words, breaks people's faces for money and bounces. I expect him to do well at nothing else. Okay, let me ask you this question. I'll throw it back at you. What country is Conor McGregor from? He's from Ireland. Where are those big Irish basketball stars and Irish baseball stars? <laughs> they don't exist. They do not. All right, Craig, let's move on to start the conversation. I got a good one for you this week. Um, so on the heels of Sean O'Malley talking to Conor McGregor, I want to talk about basketball for a second, right? So LeBron James has some friends uh, that he grew up with, some associates that he has, and they have a representation company called Clutch. It is believed that Clutch sort of affects player movement in the NBA, at the very least, Anthony Davis, okay? That Clutch orchestrated Anthony Davis's move to the Los Angeles Lakers. The question for start the conversation is, one, could, and two, should Conor McGregor start a company like Clutch, and would that be a way to be more influential in MMA? Is that the next move for him? Uh, do you think it would be or will be? And second, should it? Who's the Nerland's Noel of MMA? <laughs> the Nerland's Noel is Curtis Blades. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is Curtis Blade. So Curtis doesn't want to be associated with MMA Clutch whatsoever. Take the bag. Get the money, Curtis. Get the win over Jairzinho <laughs> this weekend. You'll get paid. I think he could. I really do think now, and listen, other half of Fight Night Picks predictions, I guess I should say the third because John Franklin's a part of it now. Matt Allen, 
Um, he kind of wrote in here on Monday night when we went to tape the prediction videos and he had some interesting takes on the world fighting league. Isn't that what it's called? Yes. And seems to think it could be a bigger deal than I think it is. Like he's really looking forward to it. And I said, well, if if the WFL is going to be such a big deal, why didn't anybody put the money into PFL? And he said, no, no, that's different. They they're outside sports investors. Like it's just a whole weird deal. I think if you had this WFL, if you had guys like, and we continue to say this, who should start a fighters union? The people that have the most leverage, McGregor, John Jones. Who else? Who's got a big name? Nate Diaz. Not going to happen. But all of the big names should get together and try and push for something like that. All of a sudden, it seems like collective bargaining is going to be a big deal with this WFL. Why don't you attach your name to that? Why? What's what's the the hurt in doing it you don't even have to fight for them even if your name's associated with it it's going to make things awkward with the ufc hey maybe they even release you that could be an even better thing so i think a mcgregor started up like a a clutch collective and we got some big names big irish names like patty Houlihan involved john cavanaugh john cavanaugh is pretty in deep bellator but you catch my drift if you get some of these bigger names involved I think, you know, what's what's the hurt in all of it? I mean, Leslie Smith tried to make a big deal. Cajun Johnson tried to make a big deal of Project Spearhead. They didn't work. Let's go McGregor. Let's go MMA Clutch. Here we go, you Chris know, Blades. Here's the interesting thing about uh, baseball, football, mostly the NBA, is that these fighters now, and old basketball players hate this, but they're all friends, right? And the reason they're all friends and they don't really get in each other's ways is because the difference between Charles Barkley and uh, Ben Simmons, well, there's a lot of difference between those guys, but one of the big differences is one, well, Ben Simmons would be a bad example. Let's talk about an American guy like Devin Booker. Devin Booker came up playing AAU. So even if he didn't know these guys from college or didn't grow up in the same area, chances are the best players all meet each other through AAU. Whereas the old players didn't necessarily have that. It was they played through high school, they went to college, they maybe played each other in college, but they were all trying to win. So I think that um, now NBA players are like, you can leave my team, go somewhere else. Like when, when Anthony Davis left New Orleans, none of the New Orleans players criticized him. Zion Williamson didn't criticize him, right? Because Zion Williamson someday wants to leave New Orleans himself and wants to not be criticized when he leaves. So he's not going to criticize when someone else leaves, right? They understand that. Fighting, fighters view it as a zero-sum game. For me to succeed, you have to fail, all right? So they are in competition with each other for everything. I got to beat you to get the money that you would make, right? Whereas in the NBA, it's like we're all rich. We'll just see who wins the game. We'll We'll all fuck around for three quarters and get serious in the fourth. Like, you know, that's what that's what it's time to win in the fourth. You know, the entire league, and this is an old man rant, but the entire league has become the all-star game, right, except for the playoffs. We just kind of let each other look good and create NFTs for three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter, you know, we'll get serious about it. The MMA is not that way. I mean, listen, Kamaru Usman, Israel Adesanya, Francis Ngannou, those three guys alone – and a couple of other guys. So now if you take Kamar Usman, you add Gaethje. If you have Israel Adesanya, you add Hooker and all the, and that whole contingent, right? So now you have a group of people 
that has the leverage to affect what the UFC can do. They don't think that way. They just don't. They're not, they're not doing that. They're not trying to do that. They could put together a group of fighters that could control, say, hey, guess what? Tonight, we're not fighting. Because two of the guys that you named, Usman and Gaethje, their manager is Ali Abdelaziz. I doubt he ever does that. That's, that's the only trouble there. I agree, right? They, they, they listen to Ali above listening to their own self-interest. Uh, so I'm with you. So we'll see. I, I think Connor could pull it off. But again, here's the thing. Connor could bring people together, and Connor could certainly give them good advice. The problem is there's no leverage. Unless you're a fighter, we've talked about this before, unless you're a fighter who's willing to take a night off on short notice, like tell, 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 your, tell Dana after the weigh-in, guess what, I'm not fighting tomorrow unless the numbers change. And you're willing to go through with it, it's never going to happen. They're never going to change. So listen, look, even something like the Black Lives Matter in the NBA, they were willing to sit out if things didn't happen the way they wanted them to. That's how you that's how you force change. You have to have leverage. All right, Craig, I got nothing to finish strong. What do you got? Matt Brown is gonna fight Brian Barbarina. How excited are you for that one? That's an old guy be, fight. It's gonna be a good fight. It's an old guy fight. That's an old guy fight. Uh Derek Minner, Ryan Hall. Does that float your boat? <laughs> Couldn't care less. Uh, okay, one that you're going to care about because Fight Night Picks fans will. Gerald Mearshart just had a huge underdog win. He beat Mahmoud Muradov, who was knocking on the top 15. Now the UFC gives him UFC newcomer, and I'm going to do my best, Abu Supian Magomedov. How excited are you for that one? I can't control myself. I, I, not listen, a lot of is, big fight. Not a lot of big how, fight announcements. This is how unexcited I am. I'm going to transition you even bringing up Gerald Marshart and talking about um, Kamzat Shemaev. Quick question as we as we depart here. Do you think we'll ever see Kamzat Shemaev again in terms of like like does he have a run left in him or is he just a guy we're going to that we're going to tell our grandkids about? Oh, what if he was this? I think you know, he's got a big opportunity against Lee Jingliang, who is a game opponent. Like you've seen him fight. I've seen him fight. The guy puts on performances, whether he wins or he loses. He's, he's, he's mean when he's in there. I mean, look at what he did to Jake Matthews when he went for the old eye gouge. So the guy brings a fight that could bring the best out of Shemayev. Hopefully he's healthy. If he's healthy and he beats um, a guy like that. Yeah. I, I think he still has a run in him. I really do. It's unfortunate with all the COVID stuff, but I, I think he still has a run in him. All right, guys, there you have it. Craig can be followed at Craig on FMP. I can be followed at SM Cornerman. The fight has been stopped. We'll see you next week. Craig, say something about our fantasy football league. John Franklin's TikTok game is insane for a guy in his 40s. You know what? If you guys want to know, you want to know TikTok at what is it? I'm going to give you guys on the Patreon. I'm going to give you the TikTok address. Let's see if I got it here. At Franklin Fantasy League. You're going to have no context for anything because <laughs> all the TikToks are just for the guys that are in the Fantasy League. But check it out. We have some fun. Holler at your boy if you see him in the streets. Peace! <laughs>